0: So, dear friend, it's really a relief to start this uh, series of interviews with you. And, uh, as you know and you understood, this channel um, will be mainly about sound and music and and sound gear. So, could you explain um, the audience uh, how you recorded your album and how uh, it gets... Uh, well, I, how, how did you record?
1: Um, well... I... I I basically used this.
0: You prepare it, okay? No,
1: that's what I'm using for the sound, Uh, um, including for the sound of this interview. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the um, the device I used is is uh, a Japanese uh, multi-track recorder, which is uh, the Zoom R8. so this is what it looks like. Uh, well, it's obviously upside down right now. So
0: it's it's okay. I think I think the the followers will be able to. And I put a link down below in the description. Yeah. So we the, the, it, this is a controversial subject between us because. Uh, if I tell you not to use a zoom on a sound engineer point of view, it's like if you tell me, as you are a translator in your daily work, it's like if you are telling me not to use Google Trad. It's uh, practical, and uh, but we know each other where this kind of uh, tools reach their limits. So, um, why did you decided to use this?
1: I guess I've never been much of a technician, as you know. Um, I, I, I liked the um, very hands-on approach of the R8. It's, um, it's pretty straightforward. There are not a lot of buttons and settings and stuff you need to think of. It's pretty intuitive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's a very clever mix of digital and analog, I think. Uh, there are some buttons to uh, activate and use, um, but not too many. I think it's exactly the right balance. And um, I've been able to use it very uh, quickly. Uh, I remember when I received it, uh, almost as a test, I recorded uh, uh, a series of covers um, of Henry Purcell, the uh, the British... British oh,
0: reporter. I remember, yeah.
1: Um, it was, you know, kind of uh, a way to um, implement something I had been thinking of for uh, months, may- maybe years, but also an experimenting ground for trying to, you know, trial and error this uh, R8. Um, I think it's also rooted in, in, you know, my personal perception of, of music recording. I mean, Um, When I started home recording songs um, at the age of 16-ish, I used tape recorders, three different ones, which I found in various places in my parents' place, well, which was my place at the time. And um, so on tape recorder one, I would uh, uh, record the drums and then play that, and at the same time, record the bass on a second tape recorder. Okay. And then I would try to synchronize the first two tape recorders while using a third one, and I would play the guitar and sing. Um, So, you know, at the time, I didn't even know what... uh, Uh, DIY or multi-track or, you know, all that jazz. I didn't know what that meant. I just, I I followed my instinct. And um, obviously the synchronization of it was super random, super hard um, after a while, because I mean, in theory, tapes are supposed to turn at the same rate, but in reality, it doesn't happen this way. So there was always some sort of offset which kept growing as the song went and uh, which was, you know, kind of uh, um, a pleasant um, factor. Uh, I-, I could have used this even more because years later I discovered the work of uh, Juana Molina, you know, who, uh, who uh, she's a Spanish musician and she uses this offset as part of her music. Um, she uses several loopers and, uh, you know, the fact that they're not synchronized is an element of her music. As far as I was concerned, I think at the time, and probably still now, my obsession was the, you know, songwriting, the writing of songs, literally. So, you know, um, of course, there's a little charm to this uh, uh, kind of uh, do-it-yourself thing, but um, uh, my aim was, you know, recording the song, uh, getting it done, uh, writing this, and and and, uh, you know. Um, within the boundaries of, of my um, uh, abilities and capacities, try to obtain a result out of it, an outcome. And I, I guess this has never changed, really. I mean, the R8 is just uh, uh, an enhanced version of my three tape recorders of the time, I think.
0: It appears to be, but do, do, do you feel like the studio environment uh, prevent you from doing something, or kills some intention you have from the start, or
1: um, I wouldn't say this. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it that way. Um, it's it's a different experience where uh, time has much more impact. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the time of the recording, the moment. You have to seize the moment. And um, sometimes you have to fake it because a studio is expensive and, you know, uh, you're not supposed to, uh, you're not the Beach Boys, basically, <laughs> you're not supposed to spend hours on, on one take, so um, my first experience of a studio ever was with you in the south of France for a teaser for Mata. and um, before that it was only DIY you know with uh, friends, at home recordings and that was the first proper studio recording experience uh, as such.
0: Well to be honest something like some sort of NNS home studio but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I think yeah that, that was my, my role at the time to uh, make things accessible and uh, and clear and to serve the artistic point of view you had in mind so but this kind of connection is difficult to find and this uh, some gives uh, headaches to a lot of artists so okay and so uh, as uh, I uh, we, we have been talking about the uh, this sound that the, the zoom has that as something like metallic when it comes to the high hand and high mm. meets. so can you uh, Talk to us about the guy who made the mastering. That that was a a key process to get something warmer and uh, and 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 well and and enhanced also.
1: Absolutely. Um, Um, Yeah, I I agree with you. The zoom um, zooms, I should say, all have this kind of uh, uh, cold, slightly frustrating treble. uh, sound to them and um, the mixing of the of the album was made by my friend Flavien at home as well he used his own uh, tools mostly uh, freeware so you know um, I mean we were satisfied with it but obviously we needed to have some warmth um, added to it through mastering and so uh, we called a guy called um, Karim Klassman um, Karim was uh, and still is the um, uh, one of the members of PSAP, uh, a British band uh, which is a brilliant band um, in terms of songwriting, but also in terms of sound. And incidentally, um, he is the composer of uh, the uh, the soundtrack of Grey's Anatomy. Oh um, <laughs> wow! Okay, yeah. which I suppose you know is is a fairly uh, reasonable source of income for him and allows him to do other stuff like mastering my record uh you know of all possibilities Please, for it for, for a decent price as i understood and uh,
0: yeah which, which exactly. matters which matters at the end of the day yeah yeah sure
1: yeah, sure we'd already worked with him with uh, my other band lion in bed and uh, he'd already mastered our first record so um it was only natural because I really loved what he did with that other album, and um, yeah, I think he did excellent work for this one because it's exactly what he did. He brought some, um, yeah, warmth is is really the only word I can think of, to uh, to this recording, through his mastering skills and uh, gear, probably, um, yeah. and
0: and respecting the uh, the overall intention because uh, uh, mastering for the last 20 years in my opinion as we already discussed is all about storming the gates and pushing the level and uh, you lose some part of the artistic intention sound engineer uh, recording as intend to be but yeah that that was also some enhancement to be to be found and as uh, far as I can tell for the few uh, email that we have exchanged, he sounded to me like very professional.
1: Uh, Absolutely, and very sensible, too. Very okay. sensible and very sensitive to the same things as us, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all his advice were always very insightful because I think he understands music the same way as we do. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Which, uh, yeah, yeah, we need to find a, a language to to share and uh, to, to communicate in the interest of, of, of music. So, uh, my maybe not my last question, but one of the questions I wanted to um, maybe uh, cut you off guard a little is, uh, uh, that will be a question I want to ask to many people, but uh, I hope that I will, uh, the, the surprise will remain is, as far as you can remember, as far as you can tell, What is your first memory, your first recollection linked to music?
1: When you were a child or... Um. I guess a mix of um, the songs that my parents would listen to in the car, particularly when we were uh, traveling to my grandparents uh, or a holiday and um they would make tapes my mother i guess would uh, would make tapes um while listening to the radio so it was a collection of sometimes poorly cut uh hits of the moment and uh, oldies um i guess that would be you know the, this blend of uh uh a, pop songs uh, french pop songs uh from the uh um late 70s early 80s and i guess um my first trauma in terms of um uh, a real you know sound recollection and music recollection is ennio morricone because uh in my parents vinyl collection uh there happened to be one um vinyl of uh once upon a time in the west okay. and, and i remember very clearly listening to that particular particular vinyl and thinking that's an important thing that's important stuff um, it's not like you know the rest of what they had been listening to um, it's not as light there's something to it and i knew there was a weight in okay. in this music so,
0: without even knowing, of course, and predict, predicting the future, they were preparing you to listen to broadcasts.
1: Sure. They were laying the ground for broadcast
0: and 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 post rock and and a lot of stuff, okay sure and when when was the moment where you f- had this feeling uh, that music really is the thing that matters? in your life that you want to do something about it, as a musician or...?
1: When I, I would say when we started um, recording stuff and, and composing stuff with uh, my cousin, uh, Francis, um, uh, I mean, I was already pretty much into music, but um, he was a guide, you know, he was uh, a guiding light uh, for jazz, and uh for um the mere fact that it was possible to compose something and um you know the first sort of band that i ever created was with him and i i really followed his uh lead so um yeah i guess you know this desire r- was really born out of this relationship we had and somehow still have, even though, you know, um, the uh, life. But, um, uh, but yeah, I would say that this particular relationship, so I guess the aunt between Francis and I was, was where this was born, I would say. Mm.
0: Okay, so uh, thank you very much. And uh, I uh, wish that your album will, despite of the context we're in, I, I wish that your album will meet great success in uh, the UK. Well, uh, do, do you know where it is released? We, we will put the links in description about how to order it for the uh, English audience. Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, well, yeah. Uh... Paddy Forward, uh, the guy we work with in in London, um, decided to postpone the release to March uh, okay. because basically, you know, uh, Brexit, COVID nineteen, whatever, uh, everything is being postponed these days. So um, yeah, uh, it is. He decided it was more sensible to release it in March. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that's going to hold, and um, we may. Um, at the same time as this British release, uh, we may take the opportunity and, and uh, also release a, a digital version of one of the songs of the album, which is entitled Fifteen Ways to Leave Mark E. Smith, with some remixes by some friends. So, um, yeah, March.
0: Um, among them, there, there, you told me that there is um, Yoni from uh, Y. That's, uh,
1: yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, he accepted on paper, so he should be part of the, uh, the team of remixers, yes. Okay. And, uh, you know, the incredible thing about this recent exchange we've had is that he ended up telling me that he really loved Glover's Mistake. Uh, okay. He thought it was a great piece of work, and uh, particularly the work on arrangement and woodwinds. And he said, you know, uh, one of these days I'd like to collaborate. I'd like to write something and then you would produce it. And the, the you know the fact that he used the verb produce instead of arrange or something like that, that felt so surreal. I mean Yoni Wolf, you know, one of the greatest fucking composers of his time and, and in terms of sound, you know, Y is just a fantastic band. So I'm not exactly sure what he expects from me, but I'm flattered, to say the least. <laughs>
0: Great. So, thank you for being with us, and uh, this is um, thank Thank you very much, and uh, everyone, thanks for watching, and uh, we will see you all uh, very soon. Bye bye.